I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. Sure, I am sure lives in you. And for this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give me or just give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and, and who has called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, uh, but it is now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. Uh, but I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and am sure that he is able to guard until that day which I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me and in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of God for the people of God. Now let us pray as Christ Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, ever. Amen. Amen. As we gather here today, we gather in a very special place, a place that families gather, a church, a body of Christ that, um, that we share with one another. It is World Communion Sunday, and across our connection, we celebrate the ministry of the church. Now, do you kids know what this is? This is a globe. I don't know if they use those a lot now. In every classroom when I was young, you had a globe. I was always fascinated by globes. You know, in fact, there was a soap opera years ago called As the World Turns, and it showed a globe. <laughs> like this. I, I even watched it when I was a boy. I, drama, so much fun. But here we are on the globe, right here. My daughter, uh, Leanna, is over here somewhere. I think right there, somewhere in there. Um, John Wesley, the founded Methodism, he was from over here, and he traveled over here, and he went back over there, and he sent Francis Asbury over here, who never went back. And he stayed here and preached all on the eastern coast of the U.S. And the gospel, it spread all throughout the land, and now it's all around the world. Isn't that something? I'm talking to a globe. Isn't that amazing? We come together as a family of faith. We're not here by ourselves. We're here because God put us here along with other people. 
that we call our family. Not just our you know, your biological family, but our spiritual family. So let's look at this scripture and understand what we're learning here because it is really important. But let's look at this first part on the first verse. If you will, just pull up the verse there, Brad. There we go. That's fine. The fifth verse is where we officially started. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Now, this is Paul talking to young Timothy. Understand young Timothy is a first-generation Christian. He has come to know Christ not through his experience with Christ, his experience with Paul. So he's like us. He's come to the church through the body of the church. And he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. That's one thing we preachers look for in people is sincerity. We look if a person authentically wants to know Jesus. And I can tell. I can tell by the disposition. I can tell by the language. I can tell by the attitude. I can tell by the attendance. <laughs> I can tell by the giving. Sincerity is one of the main parts of our covenant with one another. And this is serious business we're about here. We're in the business of the Lord. We're in the business of souls. We're in the business of you and me, but you getting to heaven. Because I want to ensure you get there. I want to make sure that you get there. See, that's very important. So when he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, this faith that you have, and he does something here that understand religions don't do what he's about to do here. You know, most religions are about sacred or something that's got a ritual or somehow there's a mystery. If you look at all the world religions from Zoroasterism to all the other religions that have been and will be, Scientology, that's a religion. Crazy religion, but it's a religion. What we do in the faith of Christianity is a little bit different, and it's life-changing. He says, a faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. See, you didn't get here by yourself. You got here because your mother, your father, your grandmother, your aunt, somebody believed in you, and they brought you. They used to bring me, my mama used to bring me, my daddy's young student pastor at Lewisburg. I was born there in 1962. I grew up in the church, always sat on the first pew. And I was a young boy from about 1966 to 1969. In that range, every Sunday I had on my cowboy hat. Y'all going to wear cowboy hats next Sunday? You can. You got permission from me to do that. And I would bring my six shooters too. People strange now, they're strange about these things. But back then, I'd bring my six-shooters, and I'd come on the front pew, and I'd be a cowboy just waiting for something to happen. My mom, every now and then, she'd give me the look like, you better watch out. Did your mother ever given you a look like that? You better watch out. <laughs> See, that's how you learn church. <laughs> Isn't that right? You learn church that way. And I tell you, I got it. I got it not just from my parents. Of course, my daddy would preach at me. My mother should give me that look. But church members took it upon themselves. Well, that's, a, that's a Dennis the Menace boy right there. See, Timothy, I can relate to him because his, well, his mother was a part of the faith and his grandmother. So not only did he get it from his mama, he got it from his grandmama. And if you get it from both your mama and grandmama, you better watch out because you're in, just, you're in trouble. So Timothy now has entered the faith the way that we have. 
as really a second and third generation Christian. We are here because faith has been interconnected. We're here. And for some of us here, we're here because of things we don't even know. Perhaps uh, our ancestors came across the ocean because of religious persecution in the old land and they came here. Some of us are here because our ancestors served in uh, some capacity in the church, perhaps being an abbot or something in a Catholic church. We are here because we are connected to the faith throughout time. And that's the part that makes Christianity unique. Ours is a faith heavily rooted in family. And family is very important to us. That's why we invest in children. That's why we uh, just promote children's ministries. That's why we allow the gospel to be shared in a powerful way in the midst of families. And I've seen it happen. I've seen a young person uh, that's come to vacation Bible school and went back home and told their parents and finally that father showed up and ended up getting a whole family because of a child. And that's a powerful way to bring a family into a church is through a child. Because we've been blessed in such a powerful way. Let's go to the next verse and we'll see this start to unfold. And for this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, what uh, Paul did with Timothy is he called him up front one Sunday and said, Timothy, you need to come here. And Timothy did. And Paul laid his hands on Timothy. And there's something very powerful about laying on of hands. I've had bishops lay hands on me. When I was ordained, it's an act of ordination. It's an act of saying, I impart to you this connection that connects us together as family. And I remind you to rekindle, which should tell us that the faith is authentic and it's everlasting, but there are times that the flame burns low in our life. There are times that we get distracted by things that are going on around us. There are times that we're not as spiritual as we should be and we let go of the things of God and claim the things of man. Right now in our land, in our culture, we are in what's called by academics the post-Christian age. That means after Christianity. And I read the statistics. They're not good. Among the Protestant denominations in the past 10 years, we have literally lost 10 million people. And a small majority now actually claim church. It's not a silent majority anymore. It's not a land of faith. It's a land of people who are lost. Who need to be rekindled back to the faith that brought them where they are. They need to be reminded. That's why I love our harvest cell, by the way. Because our harvest cell reminds us. And that quilt, that, that's a beautiful quilt. Can a couple of you gentlemen bring that quilt up here? If you will, bring that quilt up here. Because we need to see what the sermon's all about. I mean, this is it. Bring it on up here. Look at this quilt. You're on this quilt, right? Aren't they on the quilt, the names, Miss Norma? You're on this quilt, right? If you're not on this quilt, I'll take an ink pen and write you on this quilt. But if I do, the women will get me. So I don't want to get in trouble. But, but, but hold this quilt up. And this quilt will go up for auction at the harvest sale. And your name's on the quilt. See? 
There's Leon. I'm in there somewhere. Are you in there? Look for your name on there. You see your name? Isn't that something? Edgar Holder. Look at there. There's Edgar right up there. He's kind of a dukish blue, isn't he? Yeah, that's not. Where's my Carolina blue at? Is there any on there? But isn't it something? Your name is on the quilt. The youngest to the oldest, right? Isn't that something? See, that's the sermon right here. Family. You don't got one name on your quilt. You're part of a whole line of people. A people of faith that have gone before you. Some of them have been spiritual giants. My grandfather and my grandmother were spiritual giants. My grandfather had a first grade education. <laughs> Yet he knew the Bible more than any professor I've ever known. And he's a giant and his name is on my quilt of life. And you have the names on your life. You're connected together. Isn't this beautiful? It's going to be exciting this coming Saturday. I can't wait. We're going to take pictures of this. I want to thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. Isn't that something? See, that's how you rekindle the faith. You don't rekindle it by big words and ideas. You rekindle it by the simplest of things. Your name on a quilt that becomes the most important of things. Because believe me, there will come a time in your life you'll need to know your name's on something more than your tombstone. Oh man, preacher just started preaching. Because I tell you, that's what your lot in life is, is just get your name on a tombstone. What a sad existence you have shared. But our name isn't just on a stone. Our name is in a book. <laughs> and that book is in heaven. And that name will be read out. And God Almighty would say, you're part of this family because here's your name. You're part of my family. You are my child. John calls us the children of the light. And if you have darkness in you, you better get it out because you need to be the child of the light. Because you need to shine for the gospel and the power of the gospel. We're not, we're not as the world turns. We're not little, little stuff. We're about big stuff. Last Sunday I said that my family were either preachers, farmers, or soldiers. I'm part of something. Not always on the right side. But God calls me to the right side and gets me right. So let's keep going here. That Timothy now is realizing he's not alone in this faith. That his mama and his grandmama are all part of this. And he says, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardness, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now that's a strong word in Greek. The cowardness means someone who runs from battle. Now I know you people now a little bit more than I did when I got here. I already knew you were tough anyway. Because when I play football at Harness Central that little bit and I come over here for that final game, we were leaving. We had just uh, won uh, seven to six or something. I don't remember the score, Wayne, but it was real close and it was nip and tuck. It was a tough game and we barely won. And Coach Farrell said, we got to get out of here, boys. And we jumped in the bus and we're heading out of Dodge City, you know, over here at Western. And I, and I have a bag in front of me. And I already told the story to some of you, but some of you never heard it. 
And you're going to start hearing more of my stories repeating, but just look the other way and excuse me because I'm getting old and forgetful. But I, been, uh, I kind of leaned over to look in my bag because I had something in there, like a soda bottle, I don't know what it was. And somebody from Western Hornet threw a brick through the window of the bus. And it went right where my head had been a second before. And glass came all over me. And I hollered out, Coach, they're attacking us. He said, hit the gas, boys. We got to get out of here. So I knew y'all fighting people anyway. And by the way, I'm certain God will or has sent that person who threw that brick to my church so they can get this sin off of them. Now, it wouldn't have hurt me if it had hit my head. My daddy said, he said, it wouldn't have hurt you anyway, Jerome. You're so hard-headed. And I said, but dad, they were, they were beating us up, but we won. And he said, that's what you get for winning. See, I knew you're fighting people. You're no cowards. But I've been around some cowards. In this postmodern church, I've been around some cowards who don't want to fight for the gospel. They want to, don't want to fight for what's right. They won't even fight for their own children. And I tell you the truth, this church, just like uh, who was a Tim said last week, the buck stops here. We'll fight for what's right. Paul was saying to Timothy, you're going to have to fight for this faith because if you don't, it's going to be hard. Someone has to make the stand, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Let's keep going. Do not be ashamed. Do you notice what he's doing here? He's giving a lecture like a father would a child. You're part of this family. Who do you think you are? You come in here doing what you think you want to do. You're going to respect your mother. And you're going to respect me as your father. And don't you dare come in here in any way and disrespect us. This is our house. And you're a part of this family. And don't forget who you are. Now that may be hard to a child who wants to have independence and say I'll come and have my religion any way I want to. But listen to what I'm saying. You are part of something greater. God is saying you are part of my family and this is the way it works. You will respect me and you will hold me in honor. You will do what my child is called to do. Do you, do you feel it? See, the family isn't just the good. The family sometimes can be the hard. Sometimes the family can be those moments that you want to run away and hide because your dad has held you accountable or Lord have mercy, your mama has held you accountable. I'd rather deal with my dad any day of the week than my mama. Because my mama, she, she just, it, it, it would break my heart. One day I said a bad word. I called my sister a bad word. I said a bad word. I was a young boy. She run straight to the parents and told them. She, you know, what's that called? Tattletailed on them? And my daddy called me in, the whole family gathered around, and this was the hard place to be. And he set a chair right in the middle of the floor. And he said, Jerome, he said, we're so ashamed of you saying this word. And my sister's over there just laughing because she knows I've been caught. And dad said, what word did you say? And I said, I don't want to say it. And he said, say it. I said, I don't want to say it. Say it, boy. I don't want to say it, dad. Say it. And I said it. And he said, say it again. I said, I don't want to. And after about ten times of saying it, I realized I'd done wrong. And mama's going, George, don't do it to him. Don't do it to him. And it was what she did that really helped me to understand. 
She helped me to understand what love is. Love is not needing to be forgiven. Love is forgiving. Love is when somebody overlooks our problems and says, it's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're still part of my family. And I trust and I love you. Do you hear what I'm saying? So if God can do it to us, why can't we do it to each other? If God can be so loving and forgiving to us, why can't we love and forgive each other? I don't mind a little bit of drama as the world turns, but I expect more of you, and you should expect more of me because we love each other. And God is working in our midst. There's no right and wrong to this, people. This is about the most simple of things. Your mother, your grandmother, your family. You're part of something greater. Let's, it says, don't be ashamed of this. This is the testimony. God has joined with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Let's keep going, Brad. And who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus even before the world was created. Do you know this? God already knew you before we ever existed. Every possibility has been played out. Infinite possibilities, finite probabilities. God has already worked every possible way you could possibly go in your life. Every door you open, every intersection you come up to, every decision you made, God has already worked out every possible way to bring you to salvation. But you have the choice of making the path that, me, that leads either to destruction or to God. And I'm telling you where it leads to. I'm going to tell you where it goes. I can tell you because I know where it goes. It goes home. This path we're making goes home. And it may come through Spring Hill, and I pray it does for you, but it leads us home. And that's where God wants us to be, is the great homecoming together. I can't wait till I get home. Because my parents will be there to greet me and accept me and the light will shine around me and I'll enter into his peace and I'll say, Lord, you, you don't know what we had to go through and the Lord will say, I know more than you know. But here you are. And I told you I loved you. Did you believe me? Yeah, Lord, I, I believe you. Then love one another. Be a good boy. Somebody the other day they said, Jerome, you've been a good boy. Have you been a good boy this week? Yeah, yeah. Good boy, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, amen. He went, yeah. He's been a good boy. I don't know what happened. Don't worry about it. Because you said that before God Almighty. Amen good boy and there's nothing wrong with being a good person in fact good people win we're the real winners not the world cheating's never got anything for anybody we're on the winning side of grace he has called us and saved us so let's keep going this grace was given to us and now it's been revealed through jesus christ who has done this he's gotten rid of death you know when we drive by the spring hill cemetery the whole community comes by 
This is a very important place. It's a sacred place. Ancestors are buried here. The heart of the gospel is here. But do you know this is not a place of death, but a place of resurrection? When you drive to the cemetery, you don't think of death. I pray you don't. I hope you see resurrection. These are souls in the kingdom of God. We're just a holding place for them to be uh, accepted in God's time, which I think is instantaneous, by the way. My personal opinion is we have a three-day period after we die that we're in a transition stage and then our soul goes on to be with God. But people got different beliefs about that and, and nobody really knows except God Almighty. But I can tell you this, you shouldn't be scared. What is our problem in this culture? With handbooks on us, how to survive the zombie apocalypse. If there's a zombie that's apocalypse, I'm running and hiding. That's what I'm doing. I, I'm not going to fight them. I'm not going to do all that. That's craziness. The reason people see this is that they think somehow they can see it and they can master their fears. But I tell you, fears can never be mastered except by faith in God. That is pure silliness. The truth of life is not the dead, but the living. God calls us to be a living witness of the gospel. And the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Because our Lord has abolished death and brought life and immortality. Think about that. You don't just have the rest of your life to live. You have the rest of eternity to live. So that means all things are possible. That means that road can be managed. God will lead us home. And how he leads us is the most simple of ways. By the light. And all we have to do is follow the light and we'll find our way home. That's why uh, we like to keep the light burning, you know, when the family comes in on the porch. And we keep the light burning when they make the trip from wherever they are. And they come home and we turn on the lights and we celebrate. See, these are all fundamental parts of the gospel. Let's keep going. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and a teacher. Those are the roles. That a preacher has, a pastor has. I'm called to say the truth even when it hurts. I'm called to proclaim God's kingdom even when the world doesn't want to hear it. And I'm called to teach the gospel that it's not about me, it's about the gospel. I am just a mere vehicle, a servant. That's all I am. Nothing special about Jerome. I had a brick bat thrown at my head. I didn't even play good that game. I, I, was, I was just barely on the field, Harley, and, and I had nothing. I mean, why are they picking on me? Why did they throw, why did they throw that to you know, the quarterback? I mean, he deserved it. He the one who won the game. It wasn't me. I was just a lineman. Who am I? Because God knew the day would come that he would rotate this globe and he would make it where Jerome would travel. Isn't that fun? I, I like that. And he would go to California and preach. He'd go to Chicago and preach. He'd go to the mountains and do his thing. He'd go to the coast where they have wicked tuna and do his thing. And he knew the day would come that he would send little old Jerome back to Mamers to face the brick thrower. And to say, I love you. And I'm glad you didn't hit me. But we still won. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Not about winning, it's about you. It always has been about him. And what you may think is hard right now may be a lesson God is teaching you for a future date. 
Because he's not finished with any of us yet. He's still got things for us to do. For this reason I suffer as I do. I am not ashamed. I know the one in whom I have put my trust. I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me. Timothy, listen to what I'm telling you. In the faith and love that we are in Christ Jesus, guard the good treasure. Now, what's the good treasure? I did research on this this week, trying to determine what he meant by the good treasure. You know, somebody in England the other day, they found 11th century gold coins out in the field, like a thousand of them. And that's a big deal because this was, you know, at the time of the Normandy invasion, and these gold coins are worth money, and the government gets their portion, the farmer gets their portion, and the man who found them, he gets his portion. But it has a king that's rarely known that was there right before the invasion. And, and that's a lot of treasure, you know. In fact, they just found the USS North Carolina off the coast of South Carolina that has millions of dollars in gold coins that they found. Uh, Y'all ever dug for treasure? I have an uncle, he died years ago, his name was Avery. They said he dug for treasure and a raging bull with fire coming out of his nostrils and his horns come out of the hole he had dug and they said his hair turned all white afterwards. And suddenly he bought a farm because he had money. That's what the family story is. Now I always thought Avery was crazy anyway because he said we didn't land on the moon. He told me that. He said, we never landed on the moon. I said, yes, we did. No, we did. He was crazy anyway. And I think he probably made that money some other way. <laughs> probably not legal. But this was his cover story. But his hair did turn color. Is that what the treasure is? What we may find? Is it about money? Is life all about money? That means only a few people are going to really win. <laughs> The good treasure is not about money. It's something that God's given to us and trusted. So what has God given to us? You. You. He gave Eunice and he gave Lois Timothy. You are the treasure. You are the good treasure. With the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. It's about family here. It's about faith. It's about fellowship. Thank you for being a part of this church. Thank you for opening up your hearts to continue the journey of faith that's been entrusted to you. You are not here alone because even this very day, a cloud of witnesses surrounds us and watches us. And angels attend to our needs. You are not alone in this journey. So no matter where you think you may be, God is there with you. And if God be with you, who can be against you? You're part of the family. I'd give you all a big hug right now if I could. There we go. I'm even hugging that person who threw that brick. And where did they get the brick? That's I don't know. It's a good thing I didn't hold it against y'all. Because I'd have told the bishop, ain't no way I'm going there. They tried to hurt me. 
because I knew y'all at least willing to fight for the good things in life, for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and most of all, for Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'll turn to page 15, I ask those who are helping today with communion to come up.